Well, when I was here, I believe it was in May, I talked about making faith transactions. How many were here last time when I was teaching? Well, I'm going to uh, do a, the part two of that, actually, tonight, and I'm going to be focusing more on great is his faithfulness. Don't you love that song? But it needs to be not just a song, but something that when you sing, that is really coming from your heart, that you really realize how great his faithfulness is to you and to me. Uh, just in a little bit of a review from last time, we talked about faith and that every person has been given a measure of faith. And in Romans 1.17, it says, The just shall live by faith. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says that we walk by faith and not by sight, not by the five senses, not by the outward man, but by faith. Because, see, faith is of the heart. Faith is within. Therefore, we must live from the inside out. Not from the outer man, but we live from the inward man. So we have to live from the inside out because faith is within us. And we have to live and walk by faith. And then it says in 1 Timothy 6.12 that we fight the good fight of faith. So that implies there's a battle going on, amen? And that battle is to cause us to lose confidence in our faith. But I love what it says in Hebrews 10.38. Cast not away your confidence. The Lord says that because he knew there would be an opportunity for us to cast it away. And he says, do not cast away your confidence. That's what the battle is to do. The battle is trying to stop us from using our confidence. You have to hold on to that confidence. And then the Apostle Paul in the book of Jude, he's exhorting the church to contend earnestly. Contend earnestly for the faith. Contend means to use earnest effort to win against those difficulties because there are are going to be challenges in our life. And you have to have that attitude that you absolutely refuse to be defeated. Refusing to be defeated. Amen. And then it says in Ephesians 6.16 that we take on the shield of faith so that we can stand against and all those fiery darts of the enemy. We are equipped to win. Amen. We're equipped to win. So we're to use our faith, not just for salvation, but it's the life of faith so that we might walk in the benefits and to walk in the fullness of our salvation. It's not just for going to heaven, but it's to be here and living a victorious life. I want to be saved, filled, and victorious, not saved and defeated. Amen? And so we use our faith to live that victorious life. And what I said last time, and I want to repeat it because it is so precious, but the beauty of faith, there's not one human being There's not one king, not one queen, not one president, not one law, not one rule, not one organization, not one individual, no how high rank they are. There's absolutely nobody that can stop us from using our faith. It can be a law, it can be a rule, it can be an ordinance, but it won't work. It can't work. 
When God gave us faith, he did it in such a way that it's absolutely impossible for anybody to stop you from using it. Isn't that just absolutely glorious? That we can go into the throne room of grace anytime we want to. We can stay as long as we want to. The devil has no entry. The world doesn't even know that place exists. And nobody can stop us. And God has given every person faith. And nobody can stop us from using it. Isn't that just absolutely glorious? In Hebrews 11:6, it says that we are to walk in, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. If we don't live and walk by faith, if we're not using our faith, it is impossible to please him because it cost Jesus his life to give us that faith. But how does faith come? Well, we know it comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of truth. But like I said last time, hearing alone is not enough. In James chapter 2, verse 17, I'm going to read it out of the NILT, the New Living Translation. It says, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces results, it's dead, it's useless, it's void of power. If you needed a car to get around and someone gave you that car, but you never used it, well, it's useless to you, right? Well, God has given us faith. But if you don't use it, it's void of power. It's not going to produce results for you. And then in the voice translation, it says, without actions to back it up, it is useless. By itself, it is as good as dead. So that's why the book of James says that we have to be a doer of the word. You have to be a doer of what you've heard. Hearing alone is not enough. If you want it to work for you, you have to be a doer of what you've heard. Just like money. You could be a millionaire, a multimillionaire, but if you don't use that money to, to pay a mortgage or to buy food, you could be homeless and starve to death and, and be a millionaire. So you see, what we have, we have to use, and you must use your faith because all things, all things are possible to him who believes and uses his faith. If you really believe, you will use your faith. I gave the example of um, a television. A television operates from a power force outside of your house. And that power force flows into your house in one direction. But the Internet is different. It also operates from an outside power force. But then that power comes into your home and you can take it and use it and send information back out, right? So the television power flows in one direction, but the power of the Internet flows in two directions. Well, so it is with faith. If faith is going to work for you, it must flow in two directions. 
You take that word of truth, what you've heard, you take it, you receive it in your heart, you believe it, and then you take what you have and you send it back out and make it work for you. Amen? It was designed to work for us. And nobody can stop us from using it. So once it comes, you have to use it. And it begins by seeing from within because faith is on the inside. We have to live from the inside out. So you must see from within. So to receive healing, you must see with the eye of faith. You must first see yourself healed in the invisible realm before you'll see it in the visible realm. The woman with the issue of blood, it is a perfect example because while she was sick, before she was healed, she said, if I can just touch, just touch the hem of his garment. I don't need eye contact. She didn't even care if Jesus knew she was there. She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. How could she be so confident? Because she saw it. She saw it on the inside. She saw with the eye of faith. See, the eye of faith sees first what the natural eye does not yet see. And so then she touched the hem of his garment. She was healed. And Jesus says, daughter, your faith made you whole. But see, hearing alone about Jesus wasn't enough. She heard. Many heard. But you have to take something. You have to do something with what you heard. So she saw first from within, I shall be whole. She knew that she knew that she knew because she saw it on the inside. So once again, the eye of faith sees first, first, what the natural eye does not yet see. But if you can see it on the inside first, the natural eye will come to see it. Amen. Um, have you ever been someplace and, and maybe you heard something or, or you smelled something and all of a sudden it just takes you back? To many years ago, perhaps, and maybe it takes you back to when you were just a kid. And, and uh, this just happened to me recently, and I was in, in, was in Lancaster, and I saw something, and it took me back to my childhood. You know, sometimes you, I can see myself sitting at my kitchen table, and my mother comes in, and she's got her apron on, and she brings me that glass of milk and that freshly baked cookie. I can just see it. Or maybe there was something happened to you. Maybe you, you got a special award and you weren't even expecting it. But there's something that's happened to every one of us that we can, we can go back and, oh, you can see it. You see it because it really happened to you. Amen? But you're not there now, but you can still see it. But you're seeing it now from within. At one point, you saw it in the natural because you were there. It really, really happened. You know what I'm saying? But now you see it on the inside But because it really happened. It really, really happened to you. 
Well, over 2,000 years ago, something else really, really happened. Jesus died on that cross over 2,000 years ago. Now, we weren't there, but we believe. And we can close our eyes and we can see those three crosses up there and we can see Jesus in the middle and we can see that crown of thorns on his head. We can see his hands and his feet nailed to that cross. We can see the blood dripping down. We know. We be- How many of you believe that? We all do. Yes, because it really, really did happen. So therefore, in Isaiah 53, 5, when it says that by his stripes you are healed. And then it says in 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you were healed. So if it says that you are and then you and you were, then you is. You is healed. And you have to see yourself. On the inside, you have to see yourself as the Word of God says you are. I is healed. I is whole. I know that's not proper language, but you get the picture, right? You know, lay hands on yourself and say this I is healed. And say it like you mean it. I is healed. I is whole. I is delivered. Hallelujah. So see, you have to see it on the inside first because faith is the eye that sees the invisible. Jesus died for the total man, spirit, soul, and body. He forgives all of our iniquities and he heals all of our diseases, not just bits and pieces, but all. He died for all of our sins and all of our diseases. So you must see yourself that you is healed now because you have to see it on the inside first. Faith is the eye that sees the invisible, and it is the power that produces tangible results. Jesus says, my words are truth." When our faith flows in two directions, it causes the truth to become visible and tangible. You see that our responsibility, that hearing alone is not enough. We have to take what we've heard and then make it produce for us. We have to have that faith flowing in two directions. Now, tonight I want us to look at some of the ways that we can use truth to make faith transactions so that truth will produce tangible results. I want you, first of all, to turn to Solomon. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon. Solomon chapter 2, verse 4. It says, He brought me to the banquet-eating house, and his banner over me is what? It's love. You know, First John 4, 8, it says God is love. Love isn't just something God possesses. It's who he is. He is love. And that banner 
of love is over you and me. It is hovering over us all the time. That banner of love is always over us. And then in Lamentations, in chapter 3, it says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. We sang this tonight. For his compassions never, never, never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Great is his faithfulness because of his love to you and me. Because he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the whole world would be saved, healed, delivered, set free. Jesus came to save the world. That word saved means healed, delivered. It means everything that you and I would ever, ever need. God's love for you and me is unconditional. It's immeasurable. It is never-ending. And you know, because it's immeasurable, I like to say it like this, it is off the charts. His love for you and me is off the charts. You can't even begin to measure it. But we need to know this, not just in our head, but in our inner man. You've got to know that you know that you know that he loves you because of his great, great faithfulness. And you can know that because faith is on the inside. That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, that Christ might dwell in your heart through faith, that you would be rooted and grounded in love grounded in that, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, and to know, not in your head but in your heart, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge so that you might be filled, filled with all the fullness of God. The fullness of his love is everything that love and Calvary provided. It's the fullness that we we can know that kind of love. We need to know that he is, that how great is his faithfulness. How great is his love because his faithfulness is so great. And what did love do for you and me? Forgave all of our sins and it healed every one of our sicknesses and diseases not just some of them, not just bits and pieces. Great is his faithfulness of his love. It never, never, never fails in its healing power. Amen? It will never fail. So we need to know this. You need to live it. You need to breathe it. It needs to be consuming in you the greatness of his faith. 
But he will never, never fail you. He will never leave you. He wants you healed even more than you want to be healed because great is his faithfulness. Do you know, once you know his love for you, once you really know that, walking by faith, it comes so much easier. It's like an umbrella. His love is that banner hovering over us. If you were to stand underneath that, and we, which we are standing underneath it in the spirit realm, but love is who he is. And if you can receive his love, everything that you will ever need in life is underneath the umbrella, the banner of his love, because that's who he is. So he is over us, and everything that we need is provided because of the banner of his love. Great is his faithfulness in his love to you and to me. And once again, when you know that you know that he loves you, Walking and living by faith, it comes so much easier. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. For my determined purpose is that I might know him, that I might progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him intimacy is love he wants to know that have that intimacy with god perceiving recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person wonders of his faithfulness more strongly and more clearly and that i may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection It's that power to save, to heal, to transform, to deliver our life from all destruction of sickness and disease. Amen. We can know the power of his resurrection. We need to know it. We need to live it. We need to breathe it because his love for us is so immeasurable. It's off the charts. Isn't that wonderful that he loves us that much? And we can know that, and we must know it, and we must apply it because it never, never, never will fail. You know, when I was healed of cancer, I was 28 years old, and I had uh, cancer of the appendix. I was told I was approximately the eighth person in the entire United States ever to be recorded of that kind of cancer. And it's also very, very rare. And I had been in church and Sunday school uh, almost all my life. Matter of fact, when I was a child, I used to get a pin for perfect attendance. For years, I got a pin for perfect attendance. And all those years, I never heard one healing testimony. I never heard one teaching on healing. We never had healing lines. We never ever even prayed for the sick. My knowledge of healing when I was sick with cancer and dying was zero, absolutely zero. But in here, I knew that I knew that I knew that he loved me. 
And when God, I actually heard God speak to me in my hospital room, and he told me that I was destined to die. But he said, through me, you can change your destiny. You don't have to die. And I immediately said, God, I don't know one thing about healing. I don't know anything about miracles. But I do know that you love me. And if you're telling me that you have a miracle for me, I receive it. And it was so easy because I was underneath the banner of love. And I knew, I knew his love. And knowing that, anything else I needed, including that miracle of healing, was underneath that banner. Knowing he loves you makes walking by faith so much easier. And anything else that we will ever need in life is underneath the banner of his love. How great is his faithfulness. It fails not. It fails not. But we can know it. We have to know it. You know, I actually saw, uh, I had an, uh, an instant miracle. I actually uh, saw my spirit. I had an out-of-the-body experience. I actually saw my inner man. And I actually realized I am a spirit and that I worship him from my spirit. And I realized I worship and I live from the inside out because we worship in what? Spirit and in truth. So everything that we give to God, it starts from here. We live from the inside out. Isn't that awesome? And faith is on the inside, and he has given every person a measure of faith. In Lamentations, again, it says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, one translation says, inner man. I say to my inner man, The Lord is my portion, or we could say the Lord is my healer. I speak to my inner man. That's what he's saying. I I speak to myself. I speak to my inner man. The Lord is my healer. That's why we can say I is healed. (laughs) I is healed, and I speak to myself. See, you can speak to yourself, I is healed. I is whole. I is delivered. Not going to be. Jesus isn't going to go to the cross. He did. And he said, you are, you were, so you is. You understand what I'm saying? Isn't that exciting? I is healed. Hallelujah. Ephesians 5.18, it says, be filled. Well, turn there. Ephesians 5.18. I'm sorry. Sometimes I get carried away in just quoting these scriptures. But in Ephesians 5.18, this is so beautiful. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. You know, you can not only speak this to to one another, but speak to yourself, to yourselves. Make melody. You know, when... When you're going through some things and you start saying or singing, I is healed, I is healed, it is melody to yourself. Isn't that good? 
You can sing to yourself, and it is melody. When you start singing, Lord, thank you, I is healed. It is melody to your own heart. You are feeding your inner man. And we need to do that all the time, feeding, building yourself up in his great faithfulness. You know, it's like, it's like being in a cocoon of his love. You know, I was called into the ministry when I was eight years old. And it was on a Saturday morning, and uh, I was with some missionaries, and we usually had this kind of like, well, we called it Saturday morning roundup. I loved it, just a little kid. But this one particular Saturday, we couldn't meet at the church because they were doing painting and construction, and it was a cleanup day, and so we had to meet at somebody's house. And we got to this house, and the lady said, oh, there's too many kids. I don't have room for all you kids. I think there were six of us. And uh, so she said, you're just going to have to go and down. You can use my basement. I thought, basement? Now, Mark and I are from Nebraska. We know what basements are. Our basement, we had a coal bin in there and a furnace. And my dad liked to fish. And so we had a a number two wash tub filled with worms. And I thought, now God is not going to be in some dark, damp, dirty, dingy, worm-filled coal bin furnace. He's not going to be there. And uh, we didn't have room. The ladies, the nurse, uh, the missionary said, well, we don't have room here. So boys and girls, just just close your eyes and, and think about Jesus and sing a song. And I started to sing a song to Jesus. And at that moment, I felt the arms of Jesus wrapped around me, and he was squeezing me. And it was like I was in this cocoon of the presence of God, and I couldn't escape if I wanted to, but I didn't want to. It was like I was in a cocoon of his love, and it was so glorious. And see, you need to see yourself that this banner, it's it's like this cocoon. He is just wrapping you up in his love, and it will never fail to heal you, to deliver you, to set you free. Whatever you, just see yourself in that cocoon of his love. How many of you have ever seen a cocoon? We used to see cocoons all the time in Nebraska. And then pretty soon that butterfly breaks out. But until then, boy, that cocoon is just woven so tightly. And that little, cat- that little caterpillar, he's in there. And he can't get out until he becomes a butterfly. <laughs> but we need to see ourselves as it is in that cocoon of his love. And that's why in Ephesians 3 that you need to pray for yourself every day that you would be strengthened in might by God's Spirit in your inner man and speak to your inner man all the time. I is healed. I is whole. Amen? I know it sounds funny, but it's, that's, what the, that's what he said. I speak to myself, and you can speak to yourself. You can even lay hands on yourself. You know, when I was dying of malaria... I spoke to myself. I said, I will live and not die. I will live and not die. I will live and not die. Because the doctor had come in one morning and he said, or it was about noontime, and he said, Marilyn, I'm sorry to tell you, but you are dying. And if you want to say goodbye to your family, you have to call him now, not this afternoon. He's telling me I've got just hours left to live. But I didn't call my family to say I'm dying. 
I said, I will live. I I spoke to myself, I will live and not die. I is healed. I is healed. I will live and not die. The next morning, my fever broke, and I walked out of the hospital three days later. But I spoke to myself. That's what it says here. Speak to yourself. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. I say to my inner man, the Lord is my healer. Amen? It's awesome. This word of God is just so awesome. From Genesis to Revelations, it says, I love you, I love you, I love you. Isn't it good? A banner of his love. You're in that cocoon of his love. It's just so exciting to know that God loves you. You're the apple of his eye. Hallelujah. You know what? Let the devil hear you. Let the devil hear you speak to yourself. Let the devil see your faith transactions. Amen? Let him see it. He hates it. He hates it. Oh, I love it when I do something he hates. (laughs) Amen? And then it says again in Lamentations, The Lord is my portion or heater, therefore I will wait for him. To wait upon the Lord does not mean to be void of activity. It means that you must make faith transactions using truth and a fighting spirit. Have that bulldog tenacity that you absolutely refuse to be defeated. I will live and not die. I is healed. I is whole. You've got to have that fighting spirit because it's a good fight of faith, amen? And we are destined to win, so you've got to do that. Now, another way uh, of making faith transactions, and again, your faith has to flow in two directions. Again, the eye of faith sees first what the natural eye does not yet see because we live from the inside out. So another way that we're going to use Truth, the word of truth to make a faith transaction. And this one can be quite challenging, but it is extremely effective. Turn to Psalms 116. Psalms 116. You learning anything tonight? Hallelujah. God is so good. Thank you, Father. In Psalms 116, verse 17. I will offer to meet to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will call upon the name of the Lord. You know what it says in Romans 10:13? Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that word saved also includes healing. Healed, made whole, whatever you need, it includes Right, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Now, again, it can be challenging when your body is screaming out in pain. Fear wants to grip you. You hear one negative report after another. Symptoms increase constantly, and tears flow down your cheeks. Let me tell you this, actually. When you're laying in a hospital bed, and you're in so much pain, I can remember I was in so much pain, and I, I wasn't even, I didn't even call for the nurse. I, mean, I, I just, I just laid, I was in so much pain, and tears were coming out of my eyes. But when you're laying in bed, tears don't fall down your cheeks. They go sideways, because you're laying down, and gravity takes them sideways, and instead of going down your cheeks, it's very uncomfortable, but they go down into your ears. 
those tears in your ears, and it's uncomfortable. But when those times come where your body is screaming out in pain and fear wants to grip you, truly it is a sacrifice of giving thanksgiving to the Lord. And God knew, he knew that it would be challenging. That's why he calls it a sacrifice, a sacrifice of giving, of giving thanks unto the Lord. See, when you give thanks to the Lord, it is our ministry unto him. You can never outgive God. It is our form of worship to the Lord of lords and the King of kings. When you offer a sacrifice of worship, a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of thanksgiving, it goes into the very spirit fabric of the Lord God Almighty. And you are offering, you are in his presence giving something to him. And you can never stand in his presence giving something to him without him giving an impartation unto you because you can never outgive God. And there will be that impartation. It could be an instant miracle or it could be uh, a word of knowledge or wisdom. He could be telling you something where you ch- something that you just need to tweak to receive healing, something that you need to do or maybe something you need to stop doing. But whatever you need, when you're in his presence and you offer a sacrifice unto him, you will receive an impartation of whatever it is that he knows that you need first. It's wonderful, but it is a sacrifice. It's our ministry unto him. You know, it says in Luke 18, 27, the things that are impossible with man, I like to say the things that are impossible with the doctor, is possible with God. There's absolutely no hopeless situation with God. He saves, heals, delivered. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want us to look at the life of an individual who was dying. Now, this person was dying not because of sickness and disease, but the principle that we see in this, in this situation applies easily to healing or every other situation in life. And his name is called Jonah. And if you could turn to Jonah for just a moment. It's about the seventh book back, back from the New Testament. And Jonah, you know, God prepared this great fish to swallow Jonah. That, that fish was not prepared by God for Jonah's destruction. It was prepared for his preservation. But unless he makes a faith transaction of truth, It will become his destruction. Jesus meant for that fish to be preservation. But if Jonah doesn't make a faith transaction and do something, it will become his destruction. In in, uh, Jonah chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Then Jonah prayed out unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And he said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I. Thou heard my voice. I like what it says with the voice. He wasn't praying a silent prayer request. There was not no silent prayer request. Nobody's there to hear him. He's not trying to impress anybody. But with a voice, he cries out to God. 
And then it says, um, For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas of the floods, compassed me about all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. And then in verse 5, it says, The waters compassed me about even to the soul. The depths closed me round about and the weeds were wrapped around my neck. This is a description of Jonah drowning, he's being crushed, and he's being strangled. Waters were compassed around about him. The depths were closing in around him, and the weeds were wrapped around his neck. He's drowning, he's being crushed, and he's being strangled. What's happening now, he's been in this, in this fish's uh, belly for three days. He's now going through the digestive process. If he doesn't make a faith transaction, he's going to die. He's going to have to do something and make a faith transaction. And then it says uh, in verse 7, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. What do you suppose he remembered? Great is thy faithfulness unto me. I remembered the Lord and I prayed. My prayer came in unto thee, unto thy holy temple. And, and then it says in verse 9, And I will, I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. Do you think he felt like giving thanks at that moment when he's drowning, being crushed and strangled? But he offers a voice, a sacrifice of thanksgiving giving. He said, I will vow. He said, I will vow, pray that I have vowed unto thee. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation, healing, wholeness, deliverance, it's of the Lord. He's crying out to God. And what does God say to Jonah? Nothing. Instead, God speaks to the fish. And he spoke to the fish, and he told the fish to vomit Jonah out on dry land. When God spoke to that fish, you know, mankind is the only of God's creation that rebels against God. The only. God spoke to that fish and told that fish to, fish to vomit, and that fish probably said, Amen, Lord. Yes, Lord, amen. And he obeyed God immediately and vomited Jonah out on dry land. But let me tell you something. When he spoke to the fish... He was speaking to Jonah's circumstances. He will speak to your circumstances when it's a sacrifice of thanksgiving. He will speak to your circumstances just like he did for Jonah because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I had a friend. Her husband was um, uh, in great health. And one day, all of a sudden... He just collapsed. She called the ambulance. They took him to the hospital. They, the, the ambulance driver said, I don't know what's wrong with him, but I think he's dying. They got him to the hospital, and the doctor said, we don't know what has happened to your husband, but all of his, his whole body is, is, is dying. Everything, his whole system is shutting down. They said, he's going to be dead in just a few hours. His whole, we don't know what happened. We don't know what's going on. But everything is shutting down, and he's dying. And she left him 
there in that hospital. And she went home and turned on her worship music and she started offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving, praise and thanksgiving. And she says, I'm not going to stop till my husband is healed and delivered. And she praised and thanked and praised and thanked. And after about three hours, the phone rang. It was the hospital. They said, we don't know what happened, but everything's fine. Come back and get him. She offered. Do you think... Do you think she felt like singing and dancing at that moment when all of a sudden her husband was about to die? It's, that's why it's called a sacrifice because God knew you're not going to feel like doing this. You're not going to feel like it. But the Bible says in, all, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is a sacrifice, but when you give that sacrifice, God can speak to your situation. Uh, going back to Hebrews 10.35. Hebrews 10.35. Don't you love the word of God? It's line upon line and precept upon precept. In Hebrews 10.35. Again, cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience. That after, after you have done the will of God, you shall receive the promise. And then verse 38, the just shall live by faith. Living by faith, that is the will of God. Not to cast away your confidence. I is healed. Thank you, Lord. I'll not cast away my confidence. I is healed. But that is the will of God at all times. to give, Not, not thanking him for the situation, but in spite of it, you offer that sacrifice of thanksgiving. Amen? Does that help you to understand that tonight? And one last thing, uh, um, another way that we use truth in making faith transactions, and this is found in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 22, 20 through 22. And so much of my little healing book is based upon this scripture. But it talks about God's medicine. It says that God's word is medicine. It doesn't say it's kind of like it. It doesn't say it's, it's sort of like medicine. It says God's word is medicine to your flesh. Now, listen to me carefully. God made his word to be medicine for the human body. Also, God made the human body, and he made it to respond to his word as medicine. God knew that because of the fall, that man's, the human body would be subject to sickness and disease. He knew that. So because of the great faithfulness of his love, he gave us medicine that is sure proof. And he chose that medicine for the human body to be his word. So the human body made by God was made to receive and to respond to his word as medicine. The human body will not reject God's medicine. And God's medicine will always respond to the body. Both were made by God and they were made to interact with one another. God, the human body and God's medicine, both by God, made to work together. If sometimes people have, 
had to have a human transplant, maybe a liver transplant, maybe a heart transplant. And after they do that, the doctor says, now we have to wait to see if your body will accept the transplant. But not so with God's medicine. God made the medicine to respond to the human body, and he made the human body to respond and not reject his medicine. Isn't that just wonderful? It's wonderful how, what God did for us. You know, if you had a car, if you have a BMW, the BMW parts were made for a BMW. Mercedes parts were made for a Mercedes. God's medicine was made for God's human body. He made it that way. And turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians in chapter 6 and verse 19. You learning anything? God is so good. In verse 19, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? That's why we live from the inside out. Which we have of God, and you, you are not your own. For you were bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, God and Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, live in heaven. And God the Holy Spirit lives in us. Amen? God the Father and God the Son live in this beautiful place called heaven. Gold streets, pearl gates, colors we've not even seen before. But God has imparted one-third of himself to live in this human body that he made, that he bought, and he said, it's mine. One-third of himself lives in this body. Do you think for one moment... He wants the other third of himself to live in a crippled, sick, mangled-up house. No, 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 he does not. He said, glorify me in your body and in your spirit, which is mine. Hallelujah. He made this human body, so beautifully made every organ, every tissue in the body, and he made it to respond to his word as medicine. Great is his faithfulness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But we have that responsibility to use our faith. You know, the Bible says, let the word of truth live in you on a rich, rich level because you're going to get rich level results from the rich level of his love and greatness. Great is his faithfulness to you and me. Hallelujah. So our faith has to flow in two directions. So in closing, great is his faithfulness. And oh, how he loves you and me. We're just, we're in this cocoon of his love. His banner over us is constantly hovering over us with himself, with his love. So when faith comes, just having it come is not enough. We have to send it back out and make it produce results. You have to see yourself as the word says you are, I is healed. I is delivered. I is made whole. Hallelujah.